0: everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. This is a science fiction movie podcast. I am Peter. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, my Drug, you might say, Tara. Greetings, citizens. <laughs> alright, alright, alright uh, <laughs> Such a way with words in this movie. So obviously, given my references, we're about to do a Clockwork Orange, uh, Stanley Kubrick's classic from 1971. And uh, this is kind of a special occasion because this is the beginnings of our Sci-Fi 70s month. I mean, obviously, it's Sci-Fi. It's a Sci-Fi movie podcast. It's with Sci-Fi. But this is a 70s theme month where we, in advance, did a lot of extra episodes. Uh, so we, there'll be two a week for the duration of the month. And a lot of them are kind of weird, little like sci-fi 70s movies that you may not have heard of. Some of them are kind of B-movies. Uh, but we're going to kind of start with this big one, and then we've got at least one or two big ones for the end of the month. So, But with some weird, quirky things in between. So that that is the excitement, the plan. Uh, we don't say at the end of each episode what's coming next because we had no idea what order they were going up in. So just, mm-hmm. it's a surprise. <laughs> Every time you get a new one, it'll be a surprise. Uh, <laughs> but we will say that Alien will be there for Alien Day. That is the one thing I'll tell you right now. So...
1: Yep, Yeah, Big month.
0: Special occasions, special occasions. So, uh, and part of the reason why it's this month, why it's April, because Aprils are our, our anniversary month. Uh, we started the show one year ago mm-hmm. this month, so uh, which makes sense because we just hit episode fifty. Is this episode fifty-two? I think it's episode fifty-two. What? I think it is. Uh, yeah, because uh, Jurassic World that just went up was fifty-one. Yeah.
1: How about that? Woo! We did it.
0: Yeah, full year. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll start spoiler-free for *Claw of and we'll give you give you warning before we get spoilers. Uh, I will warn you there will be discussion on mature themes and topics uh, mm-hmm. in this film. So brace yourself, uh. But this movie is about a, a, a rascal feels a bit too jovial. But uh, Alex, played by Milky McDowell in this kind of not too distant dystopian future of the time. Although there's so many things in this this movie that as I was watching it this time, like whenever he says like the word stereo, and I'm like man that, that's so dated to hear someone call it a stereo like i mean I, I, obviously it's obvious time but the fact that this may be in the future i'm like that's just such a dated word it's
1: ambiguous when it's supposed to be
0: oh yeah sure it's
1: definitely like an old feature though yeah
0: yeah because yeah because i mean sometimes we'll, we'll praise like movies and stuff for predicting things and one of the things like I, I i don't want to be too harsh on it for it but i was kind of thinking like no one predicted like cell phones of some kind in this. I know. Star
1: Trek already was out. communicators.
0: It, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just weird in hindsight looking back at this sort of stuff. But, anyway, so he has got a little gang uh, of four, including himself, and they kill, they rape, they do all these awful things, and eventually he is captured and put into an experimental rehabilitation system, uh, which raises a lot of themes of free will and, well, rehabilitation and all these things. Um, and <laughs> I, and one of the things, this is probably the first time I've watched this since I watched all of Black Mirror. So I was really like, "Like, you know what? The episode White Bear is like heavily inspired by this. Like, wait, but that episode of Black Mirror does not exist without this, uh, without this movie. So, or without the book at I least." Think about it. Yeah, yeah, but
1: it's just... I need to think about it. But you're right. Yeah, yeah that's it's... the one with the uh, the woman who's being like tortured. Yes. Okay. Where yes. everyone like seems to be mocking her, and she's uh, like in a lot of peril.
0: As obviously the difference is, is that in that episode, I won't say what it is, but there's like a twist of to who she really is by the end of the episode. Right. Whereas in this movie, we know who Alex is the entire time, and we're we're kind of along for the ride. So yeah, so that is that is the gist of it. So Tara, having watched this again, because obviously we'd both seen this before, uh, at least a couple of times. So uh, how did you feel uh, watching this again?
1: Still really like it. It's a great movie. It's a, uh, I don't know if I want to say it's a masterpiece yet, but um, if it's not, then it's pretty close. Like it's a really well made movie. It's Kubrick, you know, so it looks great. The writing's great. The themes are clear and the, uh, the world is really cool. It is like a not too distant future from 1971 which obviously doesn't line up anymore, but it's still like, I love that old future style. Um, it's, it's so violent and perverse. And our main character, like he, he's, he's the worst of it. You know, like he, he's doing, he's excelling in this world of violence because he is so violent and you can't help, but kind of, you know sympathize with him even though he gives you no reason to because he's so charismatic and he's just such it's such a great performance from malcolm mcdowell Maybe may one of the best of all time like he he's really made for this role it's great it's a great movie
0: yeah i mean there's really there's definitely elements of like uh like are, are they this way just because the, the the society that they're in the state that they're in uh, yeah
1: i think that there's a lot of nature versus nurture yeah. <laughs> themes in this movie
0: Yeah, there's a lot lot going on we're going to get into. Uh, I like the movie a lot as well. It's one of those things where I think I saw it the first time I was too young to kind of really appreciate or get what was going on. I was probably far too young to be watching it the first time I saw it as well, uh, given the the content.
1: Well, when you're young and you're like, oh, I like movies, I'll watch all the movies that everyone says I'm supposed to see, and you watch this one, you're like, hmm. (laughs) It is very, like, it's still Kubrick, you know. It's weird Kubrick too, so you have to be in the right place for it
0: yeah i mean Kubrick has this thing though where it's, he's very entrancing as soon as as soon as i start one of his movies it, it kind of just like draws me in because he's so bold with his visuals he's so and this movie no different oh, yeah. uh, that main theme plays and it just you know goes to a shot of alex and these his guys in the milk bar and it just kind of the camera pulls back very slowly as he narrates uh, and yeah, everything
1: it, it should be very ridiculous what you're looking at but it's it's so captivating because the imagery is just so it's so strong it's powerful you know it's like you're, you're studying it like a work of art like what am i looking at here what is this trying to tell me because oh, i think kubrick was a photographer
0: it's very symmetrical there's a lot of his composition in this is very symmetrical and a lot of it's very kind of in your face uh very stark at times uh, and it, but it's not afraid to get kind of wacky at, at key moments when it needs to be um but there's a lot of, there's a lot of themes in here there's, there's the themes of power uh, themes of uh, uh masculinity and like there's a lot of penis it's a lot of vagina i mean there's, there's yeah, a lot of it's, sexual it's not stuff just
1: like it, it's not just the uh, you know because we're dealing with someone who's in a gang and who like rapes and it it's all like even the 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 like really Elite people, houses that you go to, like all of their artwork is just all perverse. And I think that's like part I think that's a choice to like just tell you a little bit more about this world. like the the world has just gone in a direction where we just only look at perverse things now. Like that's what we consider art,
0: yeah, I mean if you're if you're looking at it in context, I, I think in terms of the movie's themes though, it's more about uh, the idea of power and the idea of penis representing power. Uh, to to put it in a, a really blunt way, uh, and there's like there's examples to that throughout the, the movie about how like he tries to assert himself as the most powerful. Uh, there's there's two separate scenes in this movie where someone grabs someone else's dick, and and neither time is it like a, a sexual moment. It's a, it's a way of saying hey, I can be in charge here because I just grabbed your junk. Uh, you know, I, I'm above you because I did this. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. Um, and I, I'll have to. At one point, you accidentally said yes at the end of a sentence, and you actually meant to say yet. As you just misspoke. But there's a lot of that in this movie where they'll say something, go yes at the end of it, like this. <laughs> so the dialogue is very unique. It's like a mix of like you know English slang. There's a little bit of Russian in there, and then there's a lot of waxing lyrically, but it, it flows very well. He's he's a very well spoken little shithead, uh, and. Mm-hmm. Which feels very true to life as well. I feel like you get a lot of... I mean, maybe not a lot, but... Everyone knows that wise-ass, right? Everyone went to school with a wise-ass like that who would always talk back and would always be quick to like, say something really witty in return. You know, it would just get them into more trouble. Um, and it really feels like he embodies that, again, turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that going on in there as well. So, yeah, the visuals are so stark and kind of everything... Every scene is memorable, the way it's shot. Every scene has these very distinct compositions and harsh colours uh, where appropriate, and then different colours for different parts of the movie, of course, uh, like, Kubrick as a way of being so, like, unsubtle, but at the same time it feels like you're still having to really dive in to really think about what the movie's doing, despite the fact mm-hmm. that it's really in your face with a lot of what it's doing, you know, those there's, 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 there's giant, you know, phallic statues in the background that are then used as a weapon. Um, even though i i know it's something really weird but that's actually like halfway through the scene where i'm like wait it's the wrong way around like this like the it's art <laughs> the, to, to put it to put it, to explain it simply the testicles are in the the wrong side like they're the, the the top doesn't matter anyway the point the point is is that it is it's of these really over the top absurd moments and yet it feels like there's also a lot of subtext going on, and, like, is, you know, it's uh, like, uh, bizarrely, like, the, the, the closest things that I'd maybe, like, sort of start comparing it to, in terms of its tone, would be something like Robocop, where... no, oh,
1: I I think, yeah, there's there's hints of Verhoeven. There's
0: well, that, like... it's not a right, right it's more Verhoven Verhoeven, there's hints of Kubrick in his work, because he was first, but, yeah.
1: Well, of course, but, uh... like, yeah, I mean, I think there's just that, you know, um that satire that verhoven was so good at in robocop and i'll say for for starship troopers too huh.
0: um
1: and i think that it, like everything's just so beautiful and colorful and positive and like uh there's there's so much energy in it that you're misled into thinking that you're not watching something hyper violent <laughs>
0: Yeah, a bit of the old ultraviolence as he puts it Yeah. At the start. Yeah. Uh so matter of fact as well. Like that's a normal thing to go do. Just a bit of the old ultraviolence. Yeah. So it's yeah. What teens go out and do uh in their in their spare time. Uh so yeah, the the movie like it's, it's so hard to kinda like sit down critique Kubrick like I can sit there and analyze and we can talk about why things work and themes and all that but it's really hard to sit down and just say if it's good or not because like of course it's good It's Stanley Kubrick like
1: <laughs> yeah like every every movie that you watch of his feels like just such a gift I don't know like uh, it's stupid to say but like even when I was a kid and you know you watch horror movies and you're into like the Will the person die or whatever? But then you watch The Shining and you're like, this movie is not really scary, but you can't take your eyes off it. And the imagery is all there. And, you know, you watch it and you know it's special. I felt that about watching uh, 2001 when I was a kid, too. Like, even though I didn't really know exactly what the message of the movie is, like, I still I loved that movie when I was a kid because there's just something about it where, you know, you're watching something special. And I think, you know, a lot of directors hope to be, you know, an eighth of what Kubrick was. And there's a reason like his, I haven't seen a bad Kubrick movie yet. I haven't seen a lot of his early stuff. The earliest one is probably of Glory. But that's a masterpiece too. Like that's such a great movie about war and a side of war that you don't see. And it was so innovative in the way it was shot. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, I I can gush about Kubrick. He's definitely <laughs> up there on the top of a very short list.
0: <laughs> I feel there's very few film fans who wouldn't gush about Kubrick. I'd like yeah, there's, there's it's it's hard to imagine someone who goes you know Kubrick's a bit too. Whatever for me, I can't. I can't get into his films. I don't know who's saying that, but I mean, I'm sure someone does.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are very art house, but they. I mean, not all of them, but this one is. And it, there's something still very approachable about it. Like it's friendly art house mm. cinema.
0: Friendly? I mean, <laughs> I I would say to with the exception of the graphic stuff, maybe. But I I feel like the because I mean that's I mean let's not forget this movie was banned in multiple countries for decades. Uh, there's a lot of, of
1: depictions yeah there's just a lot of depictions of rape and, and there's a lot of rape it's a very rapey movie
0: yeah I mean that, no, that, that's the key thing is that it's not murder no one cares about murder in movies <laughs> like, but you know to the, to the point where there was a crime like, soon after the movie that you know, Kubrick was getting harassed for so he actually asked Warner Bros to ban it in the UK like he requested it and it wasn't until he died that the movie became available again so, you know that that was such a, a weird thing. So people were importing the American DVD, so they could watch *A Clockwork Orange*. It's almost
1: like people take the wrong messages from movies sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, that it's it's, it's a lack well, of Joker understanding. Fans.
1: <laughs> Fight Club fans.
0: I was I was gonna go there, but uh, Tara's uh, going Boondock
1: for it. Saints fans. Actually, that movie's just
0: garbage. I haven't I seen know. *Boondock Saints*, I can't comment, but. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah. 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 See, if Clover Cards came out today, but you would probably have idiots like idolizing Alex and be like, oh, he's so free spirited. This does what he wants." So like, yeah. He's awful. Don't don't take <laughs> lessons from him.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a reason he's the leader, but there's a reason he's the leader in this world that's depicted here because he's, he's he's very prone to violence. Yeah, and...
0: and and what does he do when his leadership is challenged? He immediately acts out in anger and like puts them in their place and says, No, I'm leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, it was the way back to it was normal. Right, right, right. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> a bit of the, you know, the ultra say so I can't do the voice, but he's he's so it's such a thick accent he's got in this. Um
1: Yeah, apparently that's his real accent. Because everyone else in his his little group where um cockney accents or I, I think or maybe that was from the book i don't know i just read it in trivia because i don't really know accents if it's not Arnold schwarzenegger i don't know where you're from um the uh, but the uh, i read that the that he decided to go with his his actual accent for the for the role just so he seemed different from the
0: rest of the gang that makes sense that makes sense. Um, so, I yeah, he's, he's good. I actually I looked up a couple of things as well uh, just because I was curious, and apparently there was an extra chapter added uh, to the book, and this was before the movie because the writer was. Kind of annoyed that the extra chapter wasn't in the movie or wasn't adapted in the movie, but he didn't blame mm. Kubrick because it hadn't been released in the US with the extra chapter yet, so he didn't blame Kubrick for it. But he was he was pissed at this extra chapter to be honest. Though, actually, like hearing what the extra chapter was, I don't, th- I'm glad it's not in the movie because I think it would completely like wouldn't work for me. We'll, we can talk about what it is when we get into spoilers and
1: mm.
0: we talk about the, how the movie ends and what, what well, the new looking, ending would be. I
1: was looking over the trivia and it said that the original first cut of the movie was like four hours long not a big surprise there but then his assistant like burned all the unused footage so we'll never get that four hour cut it's gone forever
0: i can respect that i can respect not yeah. wanting him not wanting more because hey, this is
1: this is the work that he wanted to see, us to see this is his director's cut you know yeah
0: and it's not that awkward thing with the shining where there's like two cuts that no one's even aware there's two cuts of uh because there's a US cut and a European cut, and people, people didn't real, most people don't realize that for years they're watching a particular cut, uh, and the other one's different.
1: Yeah, you brought that up to me before, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen the non-US cut now.
0: You probably haven't. You probably haven't. Um, I, I actually watched the US cut for the first time, when I, when I reviewed it with Tim for October last year, I intentionally watched the US cut, because I wanted to see the differences. And uh for the most part i didn't mean too much there was only there was one little moment with like zombies like like with like corpses in a scene that i thought was like goofy and i was i was glad that wasn't in the other cut but the rest of the stuff that was added was yeah was solid uh it it clearly defined some stuff a little bit earlier on which is interesting but uh yeah so call orange is ultraviolet is there any is there any
1: additional footage of um who's the guy who teaches them about the shining yes okay is there any extra footage with his apartment which is like the best set ever made (laughs) in a movie
0: well you've seen well you've seen the version that has more footage not less Oh, okay okay yeah yeah the u.s cuts the longer one so okay um yeah
1: did you not have that those apartment shots before
0: I think I had apart, the apartment shots. The apartment
1: holds up. It's great.
0: <laughs> because his, uh, his journey, though, to the hotel is very different in the, the European cut. There's like all, all the stuff where he has to go and try and rent a plow to get to the the, the, the hotel isn't there. It, it just like oh. we see him on, we see one shot of him on a plane in the European cut. And then the next time we see him, he's driving towards the, the, uh, the hotel. So.
1: Okay. All but the... it's not entirely like deus ex machina. It's just like he... no, he's, <laughs> like he's he just shows up all of a sudden. Like you see him.
0: Yeah, he he but... he still gets the the incline, you know, okay. to go. And we still see that part. But it, it, it cuts out all the obstacles he has on the way. It just makes it look like he was able to just go. Uh, so But we're not here to talk about the shining. No, no, I know, I know. Don't <laughs> I just
1: wanted to bring up that really awesome room that he
0: has. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh yes, uh I I the music in the movie. I love that main theme. It's so like off killer.
1: Yeah, and again, just so much classical music is used in it, and uh, it must be because of the success of the soundtrack for 2001: A Space Odyssey. You know, where he had a whole score written out, and then, and um, just decided to try it with more like other famous composers pieces of work and it worked just fine and if not better so i mean ludwig van beethoven is used throughout this whole score as well
0: Yes, old ludwig van
1: oh, ludwig van
0: he never says beethoven he nope. always just says ludwig van uh, he's on a first name basis uh, yeah apparently yeah uh so yes uh yeah music's really good uh, it gives it a really distinct uh sound uh so I mean everything we've been kind of talking about is just how it looks and sounds and how it how it feels very unique. Because it does feel very unique. Obviously we're about to go into spoilers and touch start talking about the, the plot and the the, the whatnot. Um but yes. Yeah, so obviously if you haven't seen Clotwork Orange, absolutely see Clotwork Orange.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Unless
0: unless you're you like twelve, in which case maybe wait a few years. But Yeah <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. All on that. Uh, CC color cards. So uh, I'll give the spoiler warning. So full spoilers. Uh, for for color cards from this point on, I will take this time to thank our patron producers for the month. So thank you to uh, k- don't let me scroll up. Thank you to <laughs> David Short, Alison M. Days, Cindy Palace, and Tyler Hess, and uh, then all patrons at the like twenty dollar above tier. But you don't have to be a patron at that tier. You can be a patron for one dollar, isn't that right, Tara? <laughs> Did you just call me Tyler? No, I said I went Tala and I went oh, Tara. I corrected myself.
1: Oh <laughs> he called me Tyler. I mean went, that's okay. He's he pays to have his name dropped. So
0: Yeah, no, it's just it was more of a, just a flub of the, the sound and then I <laughs> went back.
1: Well, yeah, if you uh like what we do and you wanna support the channel and you if you wanna head to our Patreon page to patreon.com slash TV and donate just one dollar a month, you'll get bonus episodes of the Ace. And you'll also be supporting the channel. And it's it, there's a back catalog now of the Transfers Saga that we are currently working through. I think we're halfway through. Um, you can watch Judge Dredd, see how we feel about some B-movies. Yeah,
0: the uh, there'll one be that,
1: plenty more to come.
0: Yeah, the last one that went up was uh, Free Jack. That was the one that just went up. Uh, yeah, for this that was a out. blast. Yeah. And we got a hoot. We got an also, it's going to be 70s month as a 70s bonus movie uh
1: well, in april yeah. in
0: the back half of the month so you can look forward to that all right so we'll kick off the movie then work your way through here because i feel like there's going to be a lot to say in some of these scenes because uh, the opening is him in the the millet bar and just sort of the intentions of the night he's waxing lyrically and essentially him and his group have a sequence of events here where they go through a few things uh and you know if you weren't really sure exactly like you know are these good guys or are they like truly evil because the first thing they do is that we get that, that beautiful shot of them coming down the tunnel with the mm-hmm. with the shadows on on the on the, the ground in front of them and they beat a homeless man up and it's like okay these are assholes this is awful and but i, I feel like the start of the next scene almost like wants to lull you into the idea of that okay maybe they're not that bad though because this, this other gang are about to rape a woman right they're ripping their, their clothes off uh, and it's very uncomfortable and then you know alex and his, his drugs show up and it's like oh are they going to but he, he doesn't care He's it's, it's almost like a, a movie that we're going to talk about uh, that we've recorded already for 70s month uh with a boy and his dog there's yeah. a scene at the start of that which kind of has a similar thing almost where it reveals what the main character is like through what he chooses i mean if anything that was even worse because he's because in that movie he's basically like, oh i could have used her but in this Mm -hmm. movie it's like no we just want to fight we don't care about her she'll she'll run off in the the chaos but we just want to fight this other gang uh so yeah it's it's
1: such a cool set piece too like just do it in like an abandoned theater i don't know like he's so there's so many like wide shots where it's just still for a long time and then it's like everything is beautiful despite the the violence and you know depictions of rape that's going on screen but like the it's it's just it's such a beautiful set piece and everything it looks like it's been abandoned like there's just mattresses everywhere and uh it doesn't look dirty but it looks just like no one's been there for a long time
0: but I think it's worth talking about the fact that with this scene, it's a very kind of over-the-top fight scene with these like four guys, these four guys, and they're breaking things over each other's backs and they're you know, they're smashing chairs yeah. over each other. It's very. It seems to
1: be a lot of there's there, there's more than one gang like this too that were you know that that's oh, sure. in this world like just these young kids just form groups of four, but <laughs> and the, the, the just po- go around doing violence all the time. But
0: the point I was getting to though, they're having this over-the-top fight scene, breaking stuff over each other. And I think it's interesting like, how kind of absurdly theatrical it is and where is it taking place? It's taking place in a theater. I think that's a very intentional choice to show that mm-hmm. for them, this is just entertainment. Them them going yeah. to have this fight with this other gang is just their night's nice amusement.
1: Oh, yeah. And like, the other gang is like mid-rape. And then the when they show up, they're just like, okay. They're like excited to fight. Like, <laughs> this is what we do now. Like, forget the rape. Like, we're about to fight. Like, this is they're they're overjoyed almost about the the fact that they're about to you know spar off with another gang
0: yeah uh so I, you know i really like that element of the the scene just the the the, the setting like you see all those wide shots and then we get that like the ridiculous shot of them in the car but they're all kind of together going really fast and they're just kind of mm-hmm. ducking under like a truck or whatever it is uh but again, it's just it's so maniacal. It's so they're just having the time of their lives. Don't care about mm-hmm. anything in the world, and they don't oh, care yeah. about anything around them. They're it's just...
1: just everything that we hate about teenagers, but it's like all amplified to mm-hmm. you know the extreme end.
0: Which is where we get to the the big kind of where okay, this is how evil they really are, uh, kind of thing where they go to this house and Alex from the other side of the door is like, hey, can we use your phone? There's been an accident. It's been a very terrible accident. You know, it's very, very risky. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, this, this writer, uh, Mr. Alexander and his wife, and she does eventually let him in, and, of course, they immediately just run in, and he's got this ridiculous mask on with the big long nose. Uh, again, very phallic. There's a lot of phallic mm-hmm. stuff in this, even when it's not the, you know, the the, the penis stuff itself. Because some of it's just straight up, this is a penis statue, but some of it's also a bit, a bit more... I don't want to say subtle, but just just shaped, um, and we have this thing where they attack him. They sort of pin him down and make him watch as Alex rapes his wife, uh, and he's singing, singing in the rain. As, as he does this, uh, mm-hmm. but even the idea of because uh, obviously one of the things that we said the milk bar we should really address the fact that what they drink I mean there's other things in it but they drink milk milk is their their thing right and the milk actually comes out of like a like a like a teat <laughs> like dispense like, you know, the the pump
1: yeah it's it's a very like it's a statue of a of a woman who's in this like very sexual pose but yes. like the yeah the milk comes out of her tits
0: <laughs> her teats, her teats yes. she's not a cow yeah uh,
1: I, it's
0: just it's, it's just the idea of milking into a glass like i feel like it becomes a teat in that context <laughs> <laughs> right but like the the fact that when he when he's doing this he the first thing he does is he cuts holes in the wife's uh suit over over her breasts so he goes straight for that location he goes straight for there uh, almost to assert dominance the idea that like they've got milk on demand because they're in control uh i i don't think like the i mean obviously there's those elements of sexism in the movie but i don't think that's maybe one of the major themes but i do think that there's an element of that here where like the, part of the power and control you know they, they try and have it over the other men but i think they of their they're trying to dominate the 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 female side of the, the species like a lot of this the symbolism of like no 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 you're here for milk, so that's the first part about you that I'm going to address before he does anything else. There's like a really kind of maniacal, mm. deluded like sensibility to him the way he does that. So, yeah, so all, all this stuff um goes on, and he he goes home, and it's weird. because Well, that goes for a drink first, right? And he talks about how those like the rich and high society are sitting there, and uh, and. he he kind of pauses because he's kind of making fun of them but then between tracks between the jukebox tracks one of the women who's in this group starts singing and he talks about how beautiful it was and how how much he likes it and it introduces this element to the movie where the one thing that we can relate to the one thing that makes him kind of a normal human is how much he loves music that is the one thing that's not weird or, or depraved about him is that he loves music yeah. Um, and we see more examples of that as it goes on but i think it's really interesting how it introduces that where it's the one thing where he stops being a little shit about the people he's talking about and just almost bonds without even talking to them just a the way he narrates about them it feels he, talk, he talks about them differently because of that moment because of the music
1: yeah he goes almost like catatonic and uh doesn't you know he gets mad and basically in a, a little bit of a fight well he it, it turns into an incident that gets worse, that has consequences, mm. where he basically just hits his, what does he call him? The brood? No.
0: Oh, the drugged The droogs? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he <laughs> has one the, of his droogs. Yeah, it's the chubby one, yeah. and Yeah. Because yeah. He, uh, he's always picking on him. Because he
1: was interrupting the song.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's always picking on him. So, so he goes home, and we see, because I think I'll this point in the movie, uh like you'd be forgiven for not realizing these are teenagers you know you, you i mean there may be a, a quick line about it but to be honest it feels like i mean these could just be like 22 year olds like and the, the actors probably are like i mean that's yeah that's they, i think they're older but yeah. i
1: think i think alex is supposed to be like 14 or something
0: he is in the book he's not in the movie okay and well, movie, he's still
1: living at home and he's probably i don't know if they even have high school but
0: they, 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 they <laughs> he's high school age no, they mentioned that he's supposed to be in school. They mentioned that in the movie. Right. Uh, but the, uh, no, they specifically aged them up to 17 or 18, you know, vaguely without saying exactly what she was, just because it was going to be too disturbing to have a 14-year-old doing this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, that's a fine choice. Find out
1: more of our thoughts when uh, we review <laughs> the other movie.
0: What, a boy and his dog? A his dog, yeah. He's not maybe 14 in that, is he?
1: You don't think so? I think he was. I think they even said he was fourteen.
0: All right, I didn't look fourteen. Ah, uh, sixteen, I'd buy. I, I don't know if I'd buy fourteen though.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: But hey, so uh, we see him go home, and he goes to his bedroom. He's got big speakers. So he kind of loves his music. He's got a pet snake. Uh, and then I think that the, because there's a lot of religious imagery. The more we go throughout the movie, and I think uh, that's you know the snake, you know Garden of Eden, the temptation, you know that is obvious stuff to sort of bring in there
1: yeah plus he's you know depicted as such an evil guy and yeah snakes are terrifying and why would you ever want to have one as a pet unless you were evil
0: (laughs) exactly serpent (laughs) blah 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 usually but it's funny the the one thing that i can almost relate to with alex is when his mom tries to wake him up for school and he's like Mm -hmm. oh i'm not feeling very i should sleep it off because if i don't get my sleep I'll, i'll be even worse later like i'm like okay I mean, admittedly, yeah. this wasn't 17, 18-year-old me. This was more like 12-year-old me trying to get out of school, not... <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I think I might be sick.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I should go to school. My, my throat's all scratchy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and he gets up, and one of the... Uh, probably, I mean, it's weird to say this is the first weird scene, because obviously the scenes before this are really shocking and how, like, uh, how sort of gleeful they are in their violence and whatnot, but the... Uh, prob- but weird, just on of his own case, though, is when this, this guy comes to see him, it's like he's uh I don't know what his exact role was like guidance counselor maybe Uh, I don't know I almost
1: got the impression that he was like their lawyer like their family attorney or something because doesn't he kind of represent him when he gets arrested later he shows up
0: I don't know if it's representation I I feel like I almost feel like he's been in trouble before and this is like he's like I don't want to say parole officer but like his
1: yeah but his parents also seem surprised like they don't know what he does at night and they think that uh, they seem to be surprised by the fact that their son is, you know, a juvenile delinquent.
0: Willfully, they're ruffly ignorant. There's That know. could be it too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, he is, you know, very much just, just a nice boy when he's with his parents.
0: Yeah. Because he, he gets up and he's he's in his like tight white. He's right, and he walks past this room and there's just a guy. This guy's just sitting in the bed in like his parents' room or whatever it is, and he sort of leans against Alex leans against the door and he's like. All right, all right. What are you doing here then? And this guy, he speaks to him like he's a like he's grooming him, right? Mm-hmm. The way he leans in and goes, You'll be a good boy, yes. Like I'm like
1: There's a there's a mild sense of perversion.
0: Yeah. Um well I mean, obviously which is only multiplied by a thousand when he grabs his cock, uh- <laughs>
1: he doesn't grab it, he like slams it. Like it it's it's like a it's oh, it actually
0: seems like it hurt. Yeah, it's, it's an aggressive grab. Yes, he he grabs it, and th- this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where he's doing this to assert his dominance, to say I'm in charge, you do what I say, and you have to. And, you know, Alex kind of like sort of shrugs, you know, sort of brushes him off, and sort of you know. But like that, that's kind of what the moment is. It's him saying, yeah. and this is kind of your first sign in the movie that this is not just Alex and his like his friends. This is. This even the people this who whole are, world is
1: yeah very strange yeah
0: even even the people who are like in positions of power are also kind of like him, and that's yeah. something the movie kind of explores uh, as we go. So when we get to the next dick grabbing scene, <laughs> which is obvious sense to say, but when we get to the next dick grabbing scene, uh, I'll 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 really get into that. But uh, Do you so- like
1: the the part where he drinks out of the the glass that's got the dentures in it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> why would they just pick up a random
1: glass that's in?
0: The...
1: A, I don't know. It was a weird bit of comedy.
0: <laughs> why, 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 why would you think that so, the, the you know this 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 dad or whoever like this this glass belongs to? Why would he give a, give a glass of whiskey or whatever he thinks it is beside his bed that would just be there when he's out of the house? Like,
1: I don't know. I think maybe uh, the real concern is why aren't the teeth like in in the dad's mouth right now?
0: <laughs> maybe he's got two sets. Maybe he alternates. Maybe yeah. Yeah. And if not, who did it belong to? Yeah,
1: mm. well, it's definitely his parents. Like, cause his 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 mom's wigs were all lined up on the back window.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of those weird little sci-fi elements. Is that her hair's like purple or something? It's like blue or purple in different scenes.
1: Well, every every female has like a wig or just really crazy colored hair.
0: Mm. Yeah. So. He doesn't go to school, obviously, because he's a little truant. He uh he goes to the... the this is, again, one of those things where it's doing future, but the way he talks about the... Or he looks at like, the charts, the top ten and stuff, I'm like, this is so ancient. <laughs> like, you know, people don't really talk about music this way anymore. But he's looking at music, yeah. and he runs into these two uh, girls about his age, or maybe slightly older, but not, not by much. And we see how suave he is i guess because he just kind of like leans in and th- so they've both got these lollipops right uh mm-hmm. and one is very like phallic shaped right is is it, al- almost uh. a, o- <laughs> a- almost to the point where it's like was this just a cock club because you get those things yes, where uh definitely. Uh, it's
1: like a party yeah yeah,
0: yeah. you, you it's get like those... a
1: bachelorette party thing
0: <laughs> yeah uh, i i think they're big in holidays as well if you go to like you know tourist locations and like spain and stuff you, like they sell a lot of them uh mm. for reasons uh but the other girls though like hers is like it's, it's like it melted by accident so it's like sort of limped over and there's a yeah, moment where it's alice very Alex looks like it was what's the matter with that one then love and he, <laughs> I just, there's something so delightful but the way he interacts with people even though he's really awful um, I know
1: right he's so he's so fun to watch and care. he he's really got a lot of charisma he's just hmm. maybe like a natural leader I don't know
0: he's a smarmy prick that's the correct term but he's, he's very engrossing to watch The smarmy there's prick there's just
1: so much energy like even when he speaks it is like a bit like he's shouting but like in a fun
0: way? <laughs> is it, I, mean, I mean, when he gets to the parts where he's talking to someone in authority, he's always kind of challenging them and always sort of like making them second-guess themselves. Like that's kind of his goal. But uh, here he sort of invites them back to us to listen to the music because he has a proper sound system. And we get the sped-up-to-music uh, uh, threesome. Uh, and my favorite part of this is that like, one of the girls starts putting her clothes back on and is ready to mm-hmm. leave. But when he's done with the other girl, he gets up and starts taking her clothes off again. So they kind of like go back and forth a couple of times. It's a whole thing. Um, and I don't know what to read into this scene so much to say that maybe, like because like obviously the one connection we have to his like proper humanity is his music love, that maybe mm-hmm. this is, for lack of a better term, a healthier sex scene. Because the last sex scene we've had with him is a rape scene, right? That- yeah,
1: like, clearly he's able to have sex, like whatever he wants like well, he's got the ability to 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 be suave and to pick up the ladies but he still chooses rape you know
0: yeah which maybe makes it actually yeah, it makes it more almost more sick in a way that like, like he does that out of choice because he enjoys it because of what it is yeah. rather than because it's this feeling of necessity not that that makes it any better but like there's kind of a sick you know like <laughs> this is a weird comparison we just did Jurassic World you know the moment where Chris Pratt stands up and says he's killing them for sport, Like, it's it's basically that.
1: He's the Indominus Rex.
0: <laughs> he's the Indominus Rex, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> a weird comparison to make, but it came out of my head. Uh, so, so he does that, and he gets comes down after his, his, his day of... Uh, love making is a really weird thing to call it in this context, but he comes down after his, his long, hard day of sex, and his friends are all hanging about, and they're, they're there with, like, a an ultimatum, like the, 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 was it Georgie? Is the one who's kind of like, uh, yeah, Georgie. He's the one who's kind of essentially sticking up for the, the chubbier guy. And he's like, look, you know, we've got a plan and we don't want you picking on him anymore. And he's like, oh, we've, we've thought about this, have we? All right, let's hear more mm-hmm. about this plan. And and his narration the entire time, because this, this is the famous moment with the slow motion walking like down by the water. And he's like, you know, I had my my leadership like questioned or whatever, and obviously that's not what he says literally. He he phrases it in a you know wacky. I I almost wish I had the script in front of me so I could just like say what he said because it's like so yeah. so fun. But he's like just then I kenned what to do. And then he just in slow motion like sort of swings. He's like he's like his cane or whatever he's walking with. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of my favorite little details in the costume in here, actually, uh, just the, like his regular white suit that he has, is that he's got like an eyeball in his sleeve. And I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting because obviously a heart on your sleeve is an expression, and I thought it was interesting that he's got an eyeball there instead.
1: Hmm.
0: Just think about it.
1: <laughs> Maybe there's something they're trying to say that I'm not getting, but.
0: Like he's always.
1: I did notice the eyeball. Like yeah. it was just, just a scene, just a hint of something grotesque. Yeah, on well, his clean white suit. I don't oh,
0: know. Well, obviously, the famous scene with the eyes comes later with the the videos and the conditioning. But I was wondering if, uh, like, your know, heart in your sleeve obviously means that you're open to like being hurt because you you put yourself out there, you put your emotions kind of on on show. I wonder if this is kind of a subversion of that, where it's like he's always like watching like he, he kind of hides it of who he is to everyone but it's kind of like he's also being blatant with it and it's kind of there it's out there there's no holding hmm. back I don't know Uh, someone someone can analyze that better than I can probably but uh, it's there but yeah it's a wonderful shot uh, I love how there's like well, there's multiple shots in this scene as I'm, as I'm getting out of the water and I'm like man Kubrick you were a dick to this actor you made him do this like four or five times at least
1: <laughs> yeah definitely
0: and, which would yeah, be fine
1: he was not known for like a small amount of takes
0: (laughs) no which would be totally fine except for the fact that he has to be completely dry every time they do it to begin with so like the amount of time it would have taken (laughs) to like get him out give him a new set of clothes dry him off like (laughs) yeah a lot of effort that's all i'm saying it's a lot of effort uh but so we cut to him and here's about this this heist they want to do this uh fitness farm this the, the cat lady uh but this is the scene that I was quoting earlier where he's like, oh, so we're all back to normal then. Right is rain. Right, right, right. And mm-hmm. everyone says right one by one. Uh, but of course, it's building up to a betrayal, right? Uh, so they go to this cat lady and this is what it's weird. Thing. It comes to the cat lady, right? And she's doing like aerobics or whatever and there's cats around and I'm, I'm looking at it and it took me, and I've seen this before but it's been a while so I've forgotten about this. So it, I was sitting there for like 30 seconds before I, I started to notice the paintings on the wall and they're all these like like absurdly erotic paintings of like people with their legs open, and like all these, like, they're, they're a little yeah. but they
1: it's, it's all very pornographic, and yeah, it's not it, it it's like it's an art style that maybe could pass as like you know, modern art, but it's also very, it's not very tasteful art, you know, it, it is still, you know, the. That famous quote where, you know, I don't know the, the line between art and porn, or I can't explain it, but I know it when I see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, I think that applies here. <laughs> but I, I think, again, like we brought up earlier, I think this just amplifies what uh, this future is. Like, everybody is extreme, and including people who we see who are not part of a violent gang, but even everyday stuff, like art is become hyper violent or like even the pornographic images are not, it's not like nice porn. (laughs) It all looks like very uncomfortable, awkward, like, um, pornographic images. Like it's, it's, it's not like a naked lady, but like, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of (laughs) gross.
0: It's kind of gross. That's uh, what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. a sound bite. Put, put that on the next Blu-ray release. It's kind of <laughs> gross. Tara. Yeah. It's, I don't
1: know. But <laughs> I, I think it's just, again, showing that this world is... He's, he might not be entirely to blame for who he is, because I think he just lives
0: in a world of extremes. Well, yeah. I mean, to Going back again about the penis being the power, or representing his power... Like, and not just in a sexual way, like everything he does is kind of like, if it's not about his sexual desires, it's about his libido and like sort of showing his dominance and you know, what what would men do when they're like measuring sticks that basically, you know, everything's a metaphor for penises, right? Uh, So the fact that he actually grabs this penis, because he tries his trick from before, he tries to pull the, I need to use the phone, and because of what he says sounds similar to this other story, which apparently was in the papers, and she like calls Mm -hmm. the police, like he comes in and he finds this big, this you know, this this phallic statue. And interestingly, the woman tries to defend herself with a statue of Beethoven. I thought that was a really interesting touch. Yeah. Like she like it's it's this giant. I
1: that on this watch too.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a giant penis statue that he's holding versus a small Beethoven statue, and it's almost like she's defending herself with this one little part of his humanity that he actually has. I thought that was a really interesting visual. Uh, to to make that work, but uh, yeah, the the camera work here is absolutely over the top in a wonderful way where as he's driving the tip of the penis into her head uh it's this it's almost like a pov shot from the tip of the penis so like going right into her face and she's like ah mm-hmm. like, it's really absurdly over the top and just insane so he actually kills her here um he doesn't know he's killed her i think she her.
1: dies later i think
0: yeah but when he he goes to open the door and let the other guys in, because he had to sneak in, uh, one of them's waiting with a bottle of milk, and he smashes it over his face. So again, we're using milk here as a symbolism yeah. uh, of using the the feminine substance, I suppose, for lack of a better word, uh, to to defeat him. Kind of thing. There's there's again there's a lot of male female sort of themes and imagery going on with a lot of this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So this is is where we learn that the cops are kind of just as bad as he is, right? Because the cop that's interrogating him talks kind of like he does. He's kind of a thug, just like Alex is. He just happens to be wearing a badge and happens to be on the the side of the state. Uh, And and this is the second dick grabbing scene where uh, Alex grabs his dick to basically say, you're not in charge, but you're not better than me. Like I can be in control of this moment anytime I want. Mm-hmm. Like that's very much what he's doing, and it's very reminiscent of when the other guy did it to him. Who does show up in this scene? Is it? Ah, oh, you've been a very naughty boy, haven't you? Alex? Yeah, yes, yes. His, his
1: usual spiel. Yeah, but he seems excited by it.
0: Fun, fun enough, he just
1: comes off so pervy.
0: On a bizarre related note, I was reading a couple of comics before we became out to record uh, for the previously in the multiverse podcast tomorrow. And I was reading an old Batman comic, uh, from Detective Comics, and there's a scene in it where uh, Batman has to run to a fire, so he tells Robin, Jason Todd, to hose him down. But the, the 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 speech bubble is like, "Yes, keep hosing me. Yes, all nice and wet." And I'm like. Why? Why does this sound like he's grooming a young boy? What? what was the, like, <laughs> I'm almost expecting the next panel to be slower. <laughs> Lower. <laughs> yes. it's just, I don't know. This is weird. That because that, this guy's this is this guy uh, talking to Alex is that voice. He's like, yes, do it, there, boy. Slower. Yes, you have been naughty. Yes. Uh, it's great. I almost want to spin off of him just. I don't know. Just good about his day.
1: He's he's such a bizarre character,
0: yeah. yeah. Um does it all like this to everyone? Like does he, let's say he's picking up a sandwich at Subway, he's like, ah, put put some lettuce <laughs> yeah, and pickles. onions on. Yes, pickles, <laughs> yes, put it in the hot oh, sauce. <laughs> Sweet onion
1: sauce.
0: Yes, put it in the oven. I want it hot and spicy, yeah. You're doing a little bit of pain I apologize. Was, I've got I've got an empty can here. I can probably do a bane. Uh, <laughs> You're doing darkness is your ally. You merely adopted it. I was born in it. Molded by it. All right. So <laughs> yes, my bane voice is a million miles away from my pervy, clot-a-corner's did voice. Okay, <laughs> not a million miles away. But uh, so of course he's sent off to prison, uh, and he's spat on, of course, as well. At the end of the scene. And he goes to he goes to prison, and I love the uh, the prison guard, like the head prison guard.
1: He is the best. He's he's kind of a proto um, uh, the drill sergeant from from uh, Full Metal Jacket, also although that came much later. And I don't think uh, I, I think I think I think he was a real drill, drill sergeant. So, mm. but yeah, I love him too. He's so just so loud, so I don't know angry angry, but i think he's following a set of rules you know like this is just how things are done this is very by the book
0: yeah well guy. it shows you kind of the hypocrisy of the state because uh he's very different from every other character but like there is that moment though because they make him like stand behind the line and he makes you know he says you know you say sir kind of things but my favorite line from him absolutely no question is when they make him strip in front of the table and it's, mm-hmm. he's doing that thing where he's just hiding his dick and nothing else uh well, it's, it's it's really just hiding the tip. You see part of it, but like it's hiding the tip.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like that, it, it's it's hidden, and then it's covered by a box. But then they take the box.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's almost like Kubrick would say, "You didn't think I was going to show you, you? <laughs> that, you Yeah, Here it is.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's definitely just a surprise. <laughs>
0: uh, but it's it's when he's naked, with the the prison guard just says, "Have you now or ever been a homosexual?" And he just he yells at homosexual such a quick way and alex just starts of smirkingly. and goes no sir it's just just really like smug and it's just i don't know that line. i just
1: he seems uncomfortable asking it too yeah i don't know because he he asked the, the question differently than he asked all the other questions which were very uniform yeah but this one came off a bit
0: awkward for him this is clearly an old-timer who's not comfortable with that question but he's having yeah. to ask it uh, and you know the very next scene because it, it skips ahead a little bit and he's like helping the the, the prison like pastor and there's, there's a couple of guys like in the in the pews who are kind of like making kissy faces at him because he's the yeah. young new prisoner. Um,
1: and it suggests some some time has passed here though because he's helping um I, I think he's I think he's been there like two years at this point because he's saying in his narration he's saying that the 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 new prisoners are the ones that are doing the kissy faces at him
0: oh okay okay fair enough uh, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was two years yet yeah, because I know it's two years by the time he you know moves on and goes to other stuff but uh, he I, uh, yeah so I, I, it's interesting even talk about that in the context uh, given what we've said so far about the idea of the penis and how that kind of drives what they're doing at all times which which again that's kind of what satire does right is it takes something that's kind of true and turns it up to like a ridiculous number yeah. you know because we talk about how so many guys with the egos are driven because it's like oh they can't back down because they see that as a, an affront to them and you know, mm-hmm. they have to, you know, swing the schlong uh, to feel proud. Uh, Poetic. Schlong's a good word. Because we've once debated if dong is the best word for penis. I think schlong's a pretty good one to combat it.
1: But dong is so musical. <laughs>
0: oh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, schlong's pretty good, though. I think schlong. Schlong's in the top five. Come on. Yeah, that's pretty good. Alright, so he uh, he's, he's sick of being there, he's been really good with the pastor, he's been trying to do his best with him and he's heard rumours of this, this uh, experimental treatment, which conditions the prisoners and they don't have to serve their sentence. They just, you know... Yeah,
1: he's sentenced to 14 years.
0: Yeah, so he... Uh, He's told to the pastor, and this is, again, one of the big moments of the movie in terms of like just sort of spelling out the themes for people where he says, well, no, this thing is going to take away your choice. And if you if you have no choice, then you're not really a man anymore. Uh, you're not really, you know, a person. So, and that's, obviously, yeah. and that's the biggest theme of the movie is free will. Oh,
1: definitely. Yeah. No question. Or just the, the idea of reformation. Mm. Because, I mean, he's sent to jail for 14 years to serve a sentence and be reformed, like, through punishment and that's not working because and then he goes and he's helping out the pastor and he's reading the bible but he doesn't read the bible like people read the bible
0: no no he, he... Does,
1: he loves it because he loves the violence and he can see himself like going through as a roman whipping Jesus while he's carrying the cross and we get the visualization of it but yeah. like, he is super into the bible but, but for all, all of...
0: the parts yeah but all, all of the early stuff he doesn't like the later stuff where it was more the you know the the, the lessons yeah. of Jesus and whatnot. He likes the Old Testament. He likes the thing, violence. Like he
1: he cannot be reformed. Like his character has zero arc, because he like no matter what situation he's put in, where he's being punished or he's, you know his he's being more restricted in some way. Like he just will find a way to to live in that world and be like, okay, this is what, this is it now. Like he seems unfazed by everything. It yeah. seems with the exception of the, the conditioning treatment that he gets. And, but that again, is not really reformation because he's, well, uh, he has, a, exactly. when we get to it, we'll talk about it. But yeah.
0: Like, well, not exactly. Like it's not reha- taking away his choice. It's not rehabilitation. To- like, uh, like rehabilitation you still
1: have to do something good or do something bad like taking away the option to do the bad thing doesn't make you a good person like it no. just means In fact, you can't do I, it
0: i have an excellent <laughs> I, have same thing. I have an excellent comparison here from the hit television show of the vampire slayer where Spike in it's season four gets chipped. He gets a chip in his head that stops him from hurting any living thing. So he's still an evil vampire, but he can't hurt anything that's living. So and it, this, this like actually is very reminiscent of it. And obviously that if anything it's the way around, but I just in the context of the idea that if Alex goes to do something that's bad, he gets this pain, this sickness. That's essentially what happens to Spike in season four onwards of Buffy. Is that he, he can't do anything without feeling this uh, this main numbing pain in his head. So uh that's fascinating Really interesting. Uh, don't, don't, don't be sarcastic with me. Wow. Well, start... Sounds like a really good show. Yeah, you always a really good show. Shows for people to eat on the show. That's a really good show. Did you just do that in defiance? How dare you? How. they would be so offended in all captain. my life. Mm. All right, so. <laughs> Basically, he kind of pulls a fast one because this Chancellor's coming around to, like, sort of select a prisoner for this new experimental program, and he speaks out to get noticed, and the guy's like, yep, I'll take him. And they send him to this thing, and he's given drugs, and he's put in front of in a chair, of course, the famous shot of him with the, the eyes wide open and the things all open his mm-hmm. eyes, and he's not allowed to shut his eyes. Uh, he's showing st- basically the sort of things that he's done. We see people beating up a homeless man. We see people uh, raping someone, and then it gets even more extreme. We see, like you know, the Holocaust, and we see footage of all these horrible things. And he's not allowed to not not look at and it. And
1: he's also been injected with something.
0: Yes, there's, there's there's drugs to go along with this yeah. Um, so they're doing this experimental conditioning, and what's interesting about it is that through accident, it just so happens that. Uh, Uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is playing over some of the footage Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes that that song have the same reaction as the violence does where if he hears that music again he will also react in pain and I think it's interesting that he's that's kind of almost the only real punishment for him (laughs) is that one of the songs that he loves he can no longer listen to because it's been taken away from him.
1: Right and it, it is still like he still can't like it is effective. Like he's not able to choose mm-hmm. violence after this, but yeah, he's also not able to have the one thing that made him, like, slightly like a human, yeah, <laughs> a normal person.
0: Yeah, that, that that's the paradox of and it. He
1: and and he like. Uh, you know it's uncomfortable and he wants the images to stop but when the music comes on and he realizes what he's listening to he begs he begs and he and he starts lying and he says i've been cured you should let me go like this this is good like uh, i'll never do violence again but you know because that's the one like you said the one punishment that really is
0: and that that's why this title. This is why the title is the title, right? Is the whole idea that they take him and they take away the one thing that makes him human uh, with everything else that they're trying to make him stop doing is that... Because the whole point of the title is that it looks like an organic thing. An orange is an organic, real thing. But... It's been programmed to work like a mechanical thing, hence the title, A Clockwork Orange. Uh, I'm not
1: gonna lie, I looked it up because I had watched this movie a few times and then I finally went, I wonder what A Clockwork Orange
0: means. <laughs> but it makes sense when you think about his character, right? The idea that they've programmed him yeah, to, programmed. to yeah. act a way that's not in his nature and therefore yeah. he's the Clockwork Orange. Uh, so it's, it's a really smart title in that sense. But uh, mm-hmm. the. Uh, so he gets out but they have this like demonstration first where they have him in front of this little group including the prison guard and i i, I did like that the prison guard was kind of like smirking a little bit when he was in pain i was like yeah yeah this is great
1: except when the the naked beautiful woman steps out his reaction is so funny
0: he's like oh, oh, oh no 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 no, no. It's just no uh,
1: he, he has like just this this like staring with his jaw on the floor <laughs> when she comes out,
0: <laughs> right? Obviously, the one guy who's against all this is the priest, the the pastor. He he's like audibly yeah, against us. Well,
1: he obviously would know. He spends his life studying good versus evil. Like he 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 knows the you know, the whole idea of of people, ch- how important it is for someone to choose to be good and not be forced to
0: be good. But we see a demonstration where someone comes out and belittles him, uh, insults him. Alex just keeps you know, trying to get out of it, but the guy like, you know, hits him and then makes him like his shoe twice, in fact. Uh, and then but again, what I liked about this is that it, it kinda went through the stages like, okay, 'cause cause the order of things we see, oh, we saw him beat up a homeless man, and we saw him in a fight with people, and mm-hmm. we saw him rape someone. And it it skips a homeless man in this case. I think, but like after this, it goes to the again. We have this this topless woman comes out, and the camera angle here is like so perfect. Like he he's literally in a fetal position as she Mm -hmm. walks towards him. He is as little as he could possibly be. If I I, even the framing actually, I loved at the start of this scene is that when he's brought on stage, the the perception of where the camera is and where the guy who's the doctor who's like giving this presentation is or the chancellor may even be. he looks really small in the frame compared to him. He looks like a little boy, almost. Mm-hmm. It really sort of gives you a, a good visual here. But he, uh, you know, he he, he sort of like looks up at the boobs and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's reaching. I, I can almost hear the 2001 music in my head. Dun, 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 as his hands are going up.
1: Well, the way she comes out, yeah, is is like, that kind of presentation. She is yeah. a monolith of a woman.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and his hands are going up, and he almost gets there. He's he's, he's just, he's within an inch of, like, properly grasping, grasping the, 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 the boobs of, of youth, or joy, or whatever. <laughs> and he just, he gets this pain in his head, and he can't. And he back he backs down, and he can't do it.
1: Yeah. He does this thing where it it seems to be, like, a involuntary response of belching (laughs) Mm. he just starts burping a lot and it sounds like he's he does sound miserable like it 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 sounds a bit like he's like he feels like he's about to throw up at at every moment which would be a very uncomfortable position to be
0: (laughs) yeah and this is where we get into kind of the white bear black mirror stuff where he's let out and it's basically step by step he goes through like a series of like really awful experiences, and it's that the audience is kind of left to decide: does he deserve all of these awful experiences, or is this too much, or is this an unjust uh, punishment? But he, so one by one, he goes home. Well,
1: he, yeah, he can't defend himself.
0: Yeah, but he goes home, and he basically he sees his mom and dad and he says hello to both of them and there's this like guy sitting on the couch and it's not addressed <laughs> for a long time and then eventually just at least, his of he's like eh, dad there seems to be a gentleman uh, sitting <laughs> sitting there and then they explain well we had to rent out your room son you understand and like he, you know uh, it would be fair to joe to kick him out he's paid rent for next month already mm-hmm. you know he, like, they're really like, late on thick so he, he's, lost he's lost his parents he's lost his parents he's lost his home uh and it's you know it's this 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 punishment of uh kind of extreme degrees and then he goes outside he runs into a homeless person he gives the homeless person some money he's nice to him but then the homeless guy recognizes him he's like oh you're the guy who beat me up and all the homeless people start beating him up so and Mm -hmm. and this is even the order of the way things happen it's uh, the homeless person and the sort of revenge for that and then it's his friends because he he stumbles into two police officers and who is it but two of his drugs. It's the two yeah, that betrayed I think him.
1: I think it's also like saying a lot about um, just the how the police system of this time and maybe even today attracts mm-hmm. what kind of people are attracted to that sort of profession. Well, yeah, it, where it, it, you can be in power and you can you know, cause violence without too many questions.
0: Yeah, it goes back to what I said earlier about the, the cop that was interrogating him being just like yeah. Alex, you know? There's... Yeah,
1: it's like, oh, of course, like, these people would be drawn to being cops, and also the cops would hire these types of people. Yeah. I'm not saying all police are bad. I, I respect the blue.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they, they take him out to a place in the middle of nowhere, they dunk his head in water, uh, they beat him up.
1: They don't, I mean, they, like, his head's underwater for a long time. I don't know if you were thinking this when you were watching this scene, but like, do you think he had a way to breathe while they're shooting the scene, or did he really hold his breath that long? Because it's all done in one take. It's uninterrupted, and it's a long time that his head's underwater.
0: Uh maybe maybe there was like a little respirator or something. I, mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's nineteen. shot this in like nineteen seventy, so I'm not sure what, what respirator technology was at that point. <laughs> uh, maybe there was like a little gas or air. I guess a gas tank. You know, an oxygen tank inside with a little breather. Yeah, but when, you would
1: see bubbles, right? I didn't
0: see True. bubbles. Yeah, maybe he just didn't really
1: hold his breath that long. Like, it, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm sure if he felt like he was drowning, he would just, like, maybe there was like a, like a way he'd, like, tap one of their shoes or something, then they would, like, okay, he's, he's not... He's, he's struggling here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but...
1: I don't know. I was very impressed by how long the scene went on.
0: It's, it's this point where you're, like, he's going to run into his victims next. He has to. Like, it has to be, like, the, you know, the, 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 the house he went to before. And, of course, we find out that the, the wife, of course, died uh, because she was too traumatized from the events. But... Uh, and again, we have the like kind of the, these themes coming back in here, where Alexander, uh, the writer, uh, he now has like a like a, a man helper who's this really mm-hmm. big, tough-looking dude who does a lot of weightlifting. So, and it's never like implied that there's actually like a sexual relationship between them, but you know, g- given some of the other things that have come up in this this, this movie about uh, dominance, it's almost like to make himself feel better, he's gotten the biggest like sort of beefy yeah. man he could find. He, and he's
1: in he's in the same spot that his wife was when, you know, the, yeah. when we saw them the first time. Like he's well, Mr. Alexander, is that his name? Yes. I think I wrote it down. Is is typing again at his desk and it pans over where before we saw his wife, this very frail woman, just like reading. Um, now we see this guy who's super bulked up and he's like lifting weights and stuff. It pans over the same way. You're like, oh, he found it. It's the same shot. That makes him feel safe.
0: Yeah, and it's (laughs) much better because he was crippled in the attack, right? He's paralyzed. Yeah. And and again, the idea that, let's say, I mean, we don't know for sure or not if his penis is functional, but let's just assume that it isn't. And the idea that he, that's why he found a big man. He was like, I know, I need, my penis, I have no strength in my penis anymore. So therefore I have to get someone who has, who's big and masculine and can protect me. And this is what this big dude's for. Uh you know there's, there's there's something there uh from, from a thematic point of view but of course alex comes into this house and he doesn't recognize him the old, you know alex doesn't recognize him because he was wearing a mask that night of course right and he's going to give him help but he, he does recognize him from the papers though he knows this is the guy who was released uh, from the other crime and that he was conditioned and there's actually something i was,
1: was, was going to ask you if you thought like for sure that he didn't recognize him right away
0: no, Dick. What's the What's the point then of the, the scene where he listens? He hears him singing. Cause that's that's the point of that scene. Is that he hears the singing, and that's what makes him re- realize it's him.
1: It's also like he's gone through this, you know, type of conditioning too, where he's he hears a song that triggers and a a visceral response. Like he goes into like a this really painful position.
0: Oh yeah, where he's there's really a straining. there's a shot from underneath him looking up at the old man uh, Alexander as he hears yeah, him he's got singing. Yeah, his eyes
1: rolled back in his head. He's like convulsing, and because he hears the song, the the trigger song, it's uh, almost like he went through this same I, kind I,
0: of. which is, I, I, which is, again, I think intentional and in a statement in and of itself. Would you stop eating? Goddamn blueberries. <laughs> is that a statement in and of itself where...
1: Is it really that bad?
0: Uh, it's distracting me, alright? Okay. <laughs> it's a statement in and of itself where he, uh... Like, you know, like the, the idea that what they put through Alex is essentially just this eye for the eye mentality of they kind of put him through a kind of something that will be just traumatising to him as... What happened to Alexander? So we have we have this kind of thing where they're, they're both kind of reacting in similar ways to something. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, one of the things that this scene introduces, or not even this scene, that's kind of introduced before with with the chancellor talking about uh, why they're doing what they're doing with this conditioning and why they're trying this. Uh, but there's 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 hints of a political. Uh, you know election going on there's hints of opposing forces and they make it very clear in this scene that alexander is a supporter of the opposition he's not a supporter mm-hmm. of the chancellor he's a, a supporter of whoever's running against him of the of whatever the other party is he doesn't want condition he doesn't want this to be the, the future um so he's very helpful he helps them he gives with food but one of my favorite lines actually or not even line but just line delivery is after he knows who alex is and they've got alex down for like food and he's eating like spaghetti uh, a, he just shouts that, but at one point, he's like, "How's the food?" <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> I just, I love it. I love the way he I says know. that line.
1: <laughs> the movie's so funny.
0: Yes, um, <laughs> but and he has a couple of friends come over who interview Alex, and he, he basically kind of admits that they were playing this one track, this this you know Beethoven's ninth, and. So once he knows that uh, this is basically Alexander's chance to torture him with music, so he does. He tortures him with Beethoven's Ninth, uh, which makes Alex jump out the window of the like because he's in like the the upper attic kind of area of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually I really like how shot. Obviously, they had him really jump. Obviously, under the camera would have been a giant inflatable thing or whatever. But yeah, uh, I'm sure it, it was
1: very fun for Malcolm McDowell.
0: But you can see he deserved
1: him- a little bit of playtime after his retina's got scratched up from the
0: oh i know the tools in his eye i did not like the look of that at all it made me feel so but it just looks great because he saw you see he actually can see it's him and you see him he sort of leaps down and flips Mm -hmm. uh but he ends up in the hospital he's in he's in a cast he's he's all banged up and kind of the themes kind of come together in the movie here uh although i will say this there's a moment where he's like moaning in pain uh, Cause he wakes up from a coma, and after every time he moans, he's like, "Oh, is he here?" Like, ah, like, uh, like something. I'm like, "Is that another patient?" Are they hurt? Like, what's going on here? So yeah, they're like, s- they, like is...
1: communicating through like uh, yeah. pain moans.
0: <laughs> but it turns out, like across, like, him, like across, across from his bed, there's like a curtain with another bed, and like a nurse and a doctor come out, and she's like half naked, and like like she saw, <laughs> and what, what really. They...
1: Just full full exposed when she walks out
0: it's, it, ugh, this movie's funny <laughs> yeah what, what what got it for me was that she, she's not even like finished putting her boobs away when she goes over to check on him and she's like he's conscious doctor he's conscious and i'm like yes which means he can see you <laughs> maybe maybe button up your shirt before you go over to check on him just just a thought uh but i, I guess to feel guilty because they're kind of being negligent <laughs> that this is this is Kubrick's version. You know how like Friday the thirteenth, like uh the you know, Mrs. Voorhees is really mad because the, the counselors were having sex when they were supposed to be looking after the kids. This is this is Kubrick's demented version of that. The nurse and the doctor were having sex when they're supposed to be looking after the patients.
1: Yeah, but I think it's also just another way of showing how like nobody in this this dystopian future is all that good.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah.
1: Even the doctors and stuff like are just constantly distracted by perversion, and it's it's
0: um
1: yeah it, like yeah, everybody's yeah, yeah. giving into the um, the things that we're supposed to restrain from.
0: Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the point is is that everyone is driven by their libido. That's yeah. every, everyone's just driven by that, and there's no filters. Everyone's just given into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so the, the parents show up. I mean, that said, the parents don't seem to be like that. There's definitely kind of a willful ignorance in the people who aren't like that, I guess, is how I'd say it. Uh, mm. But they show up and they're like, oh, we're sorry, son. We're sorry. They should never have done that to you. This is This is awful. Uh, we're gonna get rid of Joe. You can come home. This is your home now, to his son. And it's this this thing where he's treated like a hero because the chancellor shows up and like helps continue feed them. And I I love the smug way Alex chews his, his food. He's because like a steak and
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, right before this too, we get uh, the scene with the psychologist who comes in
0: True, and yeah, basically
1: yeah. lets us know that he's been cured. But <laughs> he's like, "Do you know anything about dreams?" She said, "Are you having dreams? I just keep having this reoccurring one where." my brains open up and people are, are like peeking at it or something so clearly like they've been messing around with his brain when he was in a coma or asleep yeah. or something
0: yeah that's <laughs> the implication uh, but he yeah. you know his parents come out and it, but the chancellor comes in and the chancellor like, takes over for the nurse because he wants to talk to him and the chancellor is basically there even though he presents it as if he's still in charge the entire time he's basically there to like almost grovel and say you know like so the press are going to use this against us and we really need people to believe in us. So, like, you have to be kind of on our side. And uh, they, can, but they can't treat him like a hero because once he does agree to it, and there's a great moment where every time he gives him a bit of steak in his mouth with the fork, sort actually like, right? But there's there's one point where uh, he basically, the Chancellor makes the point that he's at and Alex just sort of lies there with his mouth open waiting for the next bite. And it's basically, this is Alex like making it clear that he's got the power here. He's in yeah, tr- he's. he's, in he's he's in control now um and he's like oh yes good goodbye yes yes and
1: he's basically like we screwed up um you know we had the best intentions we wanted to heal you we wanted to make you better but uh you know we screwed up and there's a lot of people who have political interests who can use mm-hmm. your story against us but we're your friends so we're gonna give you a job make sure you're well protected and you'll never have to be worry about anything again. And
0: they the bring in speakers, <laughs> and the the, the press come in and start taking photos of him. He's treated like a superhero. He's treated like he's he's now, and it's it's so funny because yeah, basically what this is is that he's now going to work for the state. And the state are basically going to put him to use for, for the whip the person that he is. And he's mm-hmm. not actually gotten better. He's now just been adopted into there the is, state that's yeah, going to use him. There is zero him.
1: reformation. Because yeah. like, we get the scene with the psychologist and she's like, just, you know, I have a, a cartoon of two people talking. Just tell me what they're saying. And he immediately goes back to, like, violence and, Mm -hmm. yeah, show me your boobs kind of dialogue.
0: Yeah. So he, you know, he sits there and he's he's soaking this in and they're going to use him. uh, Basically, instead of punishing him, it's like, no, no, we can use your skills because your skills are useful. You just have to channel it through, like, what we want you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's obviously the hypocrisy, the, the idea that everyone's just as bad as him. And the, the final mm-hmm. part of the movie is him saying, you know, he's having this like dream sequence where he's like, he's with like a naked woman, they're kind of in a field, uh and there's like surrounded by like rows of people, and it's in slow motion, and he says. It's like
1: a period piece, too, like everyone's yeah. dressed up in Victorian air and, and they're like applauding him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's this idea that now he'll be applauded for what he does rather than be treated yeah. like a criminal. And he, you know, basically says he's, you know, like cured at the end he implies it and it, it cuts to the, the credits
1: he's cured because he's back to who he was Yeah, at the exactly yeah
0: <laughs> he's, he's, he's back to being who he's supposed to be Um, and this is, this is why I was saying earlier that I, I'm glad the final chapter that was added on wasn't included because the final chapter in the uh, the, you know, the new chapter in the book is that he finds the third druid because obviously he just sees two of them are the cops right and there's a third one that we don't see again from earlier on in the movie and and the new chapter of the book he finds him and he's settled down with a wife and he's going to have a kid. And it's basically a chapter that hints that maybe Alice can like now start to grow up and be normal. And I'm like, I feel like that deflates the, the point of the movie, but... So I'm glad it's not there. I'm glad that it ends in this really sort of kind of cynical, like, way. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: It's more fitting with the movie, I think. I think so too. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean obviously it's a satire. Obviously it's showing uh like you know all, all these ideas of like free will, all these ideas of like even no matter how bad he is, we're not going to accomplish anything just by making him conditioned not to do something. That's not that's not the the way forward here. Um
1: Yeah, and the ending kind of reminds me of like um uh, like people who have been wronged by big companies, like mm-hmm. pharmaceutical companies who aren't aware or are aware and didn't really give out the the right information about people about side effects or people who are have been significantly damaged or 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 have suffered losses because of it. and uh, like <laughs> just the oh, we'll just give you money for the rest of your life and now everything's fixed, right? like we're we're <laughs> we're friends. You won't say anything bad about us. like, uh, it, it sort of reminds me of uh, of that, just the the morality being paid off in a way, <laughs> or uh, by bureaucratic means. Just uh, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it's a satire, but I think it's pretty layered.
0: <laughs> oh sure, oh, there's nothing yeah. about being a satire that feels unlayered. I guess <laughs> like no.
1: <laughs> Uh, yeah I think there's there's a ton going on in this movie it's it's so smart and so funny and just a a gorgeous movie to look at and I think the lead performance by Malcolm McDowell is I think maybe the best stuff we've watched so far on the show (laughs) he's so perfect for it you know he's so like punk rock but I don't know like he's 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 the epitome of a bad person but he's just so engaging it's like um, I don't know
0: hey, I, I always it's like say what this. you
1: imagine maybe the devil would be if he were
0: like real <laughs> I, I always say character, your, your main characters in a, mo- a story of any kind right, they can be one of two things that will make it work, they can be likeable or they can be interesting or of course they can be both but they don't need to be both they just need to be one or the other one, mm-hmm. one of those will do uh, so you don't have to be likable. It can just be interesting, and he is. He's captivating to watch uh, mm-hmm. in all the, the awful ways that he is. So, like, the, the movie works very well. It's obviously uncomfortable in places when it gets a little bit dark early on. Most of the really rough stuff, though, is in the first, like, 20 minutes. It's the first 20, 30 minutes that have all of the uh kind of the extreme stuff that is, is tougher to watch. Uh, but, you know, it's talking about uh, social... Uh, you know class systems is talking about how mm. uh the, the the government or the just society in general uh, kind of like makes people and uses them um and just just the, the wider idea that okay in this movie there's literally conditioning that happens but it's a satire right so it's turned up to 11 so i think maybe what it's more exploring is the idea that society itself in the real world if that's what it's talking about is kind of conditioned all of us to a point to be a certain thing or at least wants this to be a certain thing or act a certain way or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily saying that we want a world without rules, that there shouldn't be rules, that there shouldn't be guidelines to follow, but it's poking at the question of like when is it too much? When is it too, yeah. you know, totalitarian and so when,
1: when is it and plus when does it take away our choice? Yes. You know, if if you have um if you have laws for good behaviour, are you really a a good person you know just because you are you or are you just abiding by the laws if you make everything a rule then like i'm not i it it, i'm just always on high alert that i'm going to be breaking a rule now (laughs) instead of just doing what i would have done which was just try to do the right thing i don't
0: know it's well it's it's, it's, it's a fine line that there has to be a balance because some stuff has to be a rule because people are shitheads and don't follow them Sure. Unless there's rules. Unless there's a lockdown rule, they just won't do it. Because people are sure. stubborn. Uh, uh chancers uh, was the is the word I'd use. Like someone will always push the limits until it's like enforced. Um so I can definitely see mm-hmm. both sides of that 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 coin. But this is the thing. I think the, the point of the movie ultimately is to sort of pose these questions and start asking about them. I think, yes, we do need rules. We do need some sort of structure. We do need these things in place. But we also need people to have the choice of actually being good. And I think in the real world, it's just a case-by-case thing. Some people, yes, maybe only not do bad things because uh, because there's a, a punishment side of like doing them. But...
1: Yeah. To be like, op- I would never murder somebody. Yeah. But because to, I value life.
0: But to be optimistic though, I actually think the vast majority of people who don't break the laws and don't break the rules, the serious ones at least, I don't think they only just don't do it because of the, the, the punishments. I, I, I find it hard to believe that if this if murder was suddenly not a law, it was just a recommendation, I find that the majority of people would still follow it. <laughs> like, they yeah. wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> There's some shitheads that would say, oh, well, now it's open season, baby. But for the most part, people... I don't think we
1: would turn into the purge. I think it would be. Yeah. I, I think, like, I wouldn't take a life because I value human life and I value my own life. And I wouldn't. That sounds awful. Like, I wouldn't be able to live with that if I took someone else's life. But, you know, if. <laughs> but uh, maybe there's some comfort in knowing that there are people out there who won't kill me because there's a law against it, but I think the majority of people are just good people and don't want to do that also for the same reason. Um, But uh, go ahead. I had a point, but I forgot. (laughs) Maybe i will come back to me.
0: Yeah. But I think that's the movie's purpose is to sort of pose these questions and then the idea of free will and can someone be re- rehabilitated and if they can be rehabilitated uh, it's certainly going to be through conditioning it's certainly going to be through forcing them there's sorry going, I'm
1: still eating blueberries there's
0: going to be a new rule on this podcast about eating blueberries
1: oh come on let me choose not to
0: <laughs> and you've clearly demonstrated that you won't choose not to
1: it's only because they're right in front of me like <laughs>
0: You're lucky they don't make a, like they're not a, a, a loud thing to chew.
1: No, that's why I figured it was okay.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so are you looking at your blueberries for one more? Are you, are you picking another one? There you are. Yeah, right after that that little conversation, another one straight, straight in. Candy. <laughs> mm. All right, uh, that has been a Clockwork Orange. It uh, is a uh, obviously a phenomenal movie. It's it's kind of it's very memorable. I mean, I I, I watched this last night, and that's not a long time ago, admittedly. But there's some movies that even after one night's sleep, I will struggle to actually like summarize each the each mm-hmm. of the scenes as they go. This was easy. I remembered each of the scenes in order without much effort, yeah. uh, because it's each one is distinct. Each one has very distinct visuals and. Yeah, just, each one
1: has a purpose.
0: So, a te- you know. on a technical level, this is this is pretty much flawless uh, and very unique looking. And then you have the performance, you have the themes, you have all these things going going on. For it. it's one of these things where in the hands of a lesser filmmaker, this could be a complete mess because they just wouldn't get. You know, imagine Zack Snyder trying to direct Cards.
1: Oh man, there'd be way more Bible stuff.
0: Way I more mean, Babel stuff. We'd Way see more good versus evil. Alex would be on a cross but somehow there'd also be a jar of piss. <laughs> somehow. Uh, that
1: slow motion cake
0: into the potter would be really epic. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's how unepic it is but it's in slow motion as if it's epic that makes it work. That's the beauty yeah. of it. Plus uh, you have this
1: bombastic like classical music playing behind it
0: (laughs) absolutely absolutely all right what are you uh, going to give Clover orange out of 10
1: um uh it's hard for me to to find anything about it that would make my rating go down anything to be honest and Uh, Like I liked the movie before we watched it, and I liked the movie after we talked about it even more. And can can I just? I want. It's probably a masterpiece.
0: (laughs) I I want to interject here, though. You don't have to give every classic a perfect score. It's it's okay for. (laughs) It's okay for you to be unable to critique it and say, "Okay, this is why I'm giving it a lower score." It's okay to just feel a number because it's just okay. It's great. It's amazing, but it's not. I don't.
1: I don't know if I can give a Kubrick movie, not a ten. I mean, that's probably... I I probably can't. I really love Full Metal Jacket, but the beginning of Full Metal Jacket is like the best part. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes.
1: I don't think it's a 10.
0: There you go.
1: But I think this is a 10.
0: I mean, Kubrick for me is mostly 9s and 10s, but this would be one that I'd put in the 9 column. I'd give this a 9 out of 10. Uh, It's wonderful...
1: it's really not yeah there's really nothing that i can say that i don't like about this movie yeah. and i think
0: it's special so yeah it, it, i'm gonna give it a 10. So screw you there's two i'm not saying you can't i'm just saying because I, I know there's other ones you're going to give a 10 and i'm just making sure there's two. a because for me there's like there's two kubrick movies off the top of my head that i'd give a 10 to and then pretty much everything else i've seen from was like a 9 or a 9.5 because the dude's the dude was insane like he he, he made like just masterpiece after masterpiece it was it was it was was ridiculous but um yeah he's one of those great directors uh to you know like modern most modern directors can only dream of being on on the level that that Mm -hmm. he he was on
1: there are plenty of classic movies that i would not give a 10 to just for the record (laughs) okay okay but i do think this is a masterpiece and i think it holds up pretty well well we'll see. With when... the exception of like the future technology that did not so much.
0: Sure, sure. Um yeah, I mean I kinda said that at the start, but it wasn't it wasn't really a critique against the movie so much, it was just a kind of like, hey, look at these kind of this kind of old school yeah, and goofy like, looking now They
1: just missed it, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh <laughs> but I mean again, that, I wouldn't hold the movie responsible for that. I mean it it made a future that it could envision at the time. Uh but yeah, so you know, it's a gorgeous film. Uh but if I'm comparing it to 2001, which is the other sci-fi movie, which is obviously going to be episode 100 in years' time or in one year's time, uh, so look forward to that. But um, like, I feel like 2001 is like a transcendent movie where I'm like in awe like the entire yeah. time. Uh, and this movie, it obviously has so many themes and ideas, and it's exploring it's got something to say about the human condition and about society. But 2001 feels like I'm, I am like seeing a higher power at work <laughs> like it's like a, it's like it I'm having like
1: a... looking into them to the eye of god yes yes, yes. <laughs>
0: so um color cards for me is a 9 but do not do not take that as a, a low score by any means like I don't rate that many things 9s and 10s like I, I want them to mean something when I do I'm not yeah, handing them out I thought out.
1: about that too like even when I went into this I'm like this is probably a 9.5 but I only like it more after we talked about it so I had to bump it okay I, I accept it yeah,
0: I accept it. Uh, so, I want, I want opinions in the comments. Uh, should we ban blueberries from the, the podcast?
1: There's no way people could hear me eating blueberries.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, uh, so there you go. That has been a clockwork corns, and this has been the kickoff to our 70s sci fi month. And there'll be two episodes per week. Uh, the bonus episode on Patreon when it goes up will also be a 70s movie. And it does star one. David Carradine. So
1: what? look forward
0: to that. Uh, and it's not the only Carradine movie you're getting this month either. One of the ones we've pre-recorded is also David Carradine. So uh, yep. we got some Carradine coming up the wazoo uh, as we were. Uh, so, uh, no. Oh boy. A lot of, <laughs> lot of stuff. Look, There's a lot of talk about david Carradine's sexual preferences and, and those reviews don't <laughs> worry uh but uh, so a lot of stuff coming uh, a lot lot of weird movies coming some more known ones uh i could tell you that the next one that's coming because i'm pretty sure i know what the next one is uh is definitely a, a weird one uh because the next one that you're getting is a little movie which is i mean it's debatable how sci-fi it is but it's definitely sci-fi there's definitely aliens involved but it's called god told me to and you're oh, not yeah. you're not prepared for that bad boy. That that was actually the one that started us recording because Tara said, "Oh, I watched this movie called God Told Me to," and I'm like, "I love that movie, they talk about God Told Me to." <laughs> and then that yeah, was yeah, it of was
1: it. bizarre.
0: So, yeah, there we go. So, looking forward to all the '70s movies coming throughout the month. Uh, it's been a pleasure. You can also uh, check out earlier this week uh, the top ten movies of 2019 went up, and Tara was on that with me and Thank also you. Connor and T- uh, not Tim, sorry, Matt. Uh, and the four of us will give our top 10s for 2019. So check out that if you haven't as well. If you're looking for the audio version, that'll be in the 121 in Flux audio feed. Um, or it's on the YouTube channel, of course. But uh, yeah, uh, so check out Patreon, as we said earlier. Patreon.com slash MailFuzzTV. If you want to support us, like, subscribe, uh, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. It helps more people find us that way. Uh, so you can do all that stuff. Tara, would you like to recommend any other content? That we do? Well,
1: uh, we just recorded the top 10... 10- um, movies of 2019 and it was my first time recording with matt and i he was pretty fun so i think uh maybe check out comics from the multiverse because see what that guy's like here it's a good show i don't I don't listen to it
0: i don't know if you did that intentionally but that was really funny he said that was the first time i recorded with matt and he seems pretty cool and i'm like it was also the first time you recorded with connor and you just notably <laughs> didn't talk about him which i think's really funny so <laughs>
1: Connor's on so many things. Matt's <laughs> only on one show, I think, right?
0: Pretty much, yeah. That's the and movie. like
1: all the bonus wrestling stuff that shows up on the Patreon feed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like someone who's annoyed all the notifications. It's like, oh, it's just the wrestling talk. Yeah. Just... Mm. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I only care if it's me. I know. <laughs> what
1: I did
0: know. i say <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us uh, hopefully you have fun with 70 uh, 70 sci-fi month uh and because it kind of it, it's kind of a five week month like you know like obviously the first and last ones aren't full weeks but they're big enough that uh it's basically 10 episodes over five weeks so uh enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of the month uh, we'll see you obviously for the next episode soon uh, and as far as our recording goes there's still a couple, even though we've pre-recorded a lot the next ones we're recording are a couple of the episodes you're getting in the second half of the month, so it's not like mm-hmm. you're not, It's not like we've recorded all the month's episodes already, Like there's still some that we're recording later uh, but yes so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it, keep watching sci-fi movies guys, and computer at salsa
1: I'm not prepared. (laughs)